I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Happy New Year and welcome to the Florence Weinberg Show uh, for the first of the new year and there'll be many more. And uh, God willing, everyone had a healthy and happy holiday season, uh, whether it was Hanukkah or Christmas and obviously the, the new year. But uh, let me uh, bring on without further ado, our host each and every week, the author of 16 books, the subject of a documentary, and of course, uh, subject uh, of a long radio uh, series, and, and now uh, for the last uh, year or so, uh, the host of her own radio show and podcast, uh, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg. Doc, how are you? I'm doing fine, and I want to add my New Year's greetings to everybody, and uh, hoping that COVID will finally bite the dust and that uh, every day fewer people will be exposed and uh, will come down with, with that. We have many other worries. Uh, we don't need that one in addition. Uh, and it has abated considerably. So uh, I thank God for that. Yeah. It, but anyway, work. Happy New Year, you all. Uh, and we're looking forward to uh, an industrious and profitable new year. Yeah, and uh, you know, as you and I were talking off mic, uh, you you had uh, some great thoughts, and I'm sure you're going to share them with with us here. Some great sh uh, thoughts on on where women are uh, here. And again, you've watched in your you know now 89 years. Do I have that right? 89 years. That's correct. Yep. 89 years. You've watched the the progress. Of a, of a country, and you're a historian, and you're an author, and then you're an academic, and uh, and you view these things. And it's kind of uh, appropriate, actually, uh, maybe to take a look at where we are, uh, especially as we close out uh, 2022 and come into 2023. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, where are women uh, in, uh, in America, and does it depend on, on the region? That's right, and of course, Texas is one of those that is uh, the slowest to uh, allow women any kind of authority, and uh, the new uh, abortion law, which I will mention in more detail later on, is a terrible blow to uh, women's status and freedom in this state. So anyway, the situation of women in the United States in general um, has become actually increasingly dire over the last few months um, due to, in Texas, the heartbeat law uh, that prevents most women from getting abortions here uh, and sets their neighbors on them uh, to denounce them and gain a reward of $10,000 uh, if the neighbor perceives that the woman is trying to get an abortion. Uh, and all of this is really a backwards legislation. Uh, it's worse than the situation that I grew up with. Uh, and, of course, I have given a, uh, a podcast on my own experience uh, with abortion back in 19—it would be 1955 or 56. Uh, when abortion was illegal across the entire country, uh, and 
actually, I don't think there was any choice among the states as to what they were going to do about it. Uh, I may be wrong there. I, I don't think there was. I think it was a national, it was a federal it was law. Just a and, and just national, uh, uh, national ban on, on abortions altogether. But anyway, thanks to Texas's draconian law, most women's choice um, has been um, has been severely limited, if not shut down entirely. And the other problem is that most uh, women's care centers have uh, have closed down, uh, and so. Uh, Poor women, in particular, are cast on their own uh, on their own resources, and some of them are dying because they lack reg- uh, regular uh, uh, care that has nothing to do with abortion. So um, Texas has has done us no favor here, uh, and there are 22 other states with Republican governors and state legislatures uh, that have. Different but similar problems, because if they ban abortion, uh, they they may not have the draconian law of uh, having the neighbors spy on them and denounce them, uh, but they uh, have uh, they forbid abortion after certain times, and those times uh, also vary according to the, uh, the state legislature. But uh, this and then, of course, the uh, Supreme Court um, uh, banning abortion that is uh, destroying uh, our, our uh, access to abortion through Roe v. Wade uh, has very much damaged our status as free citizens of this country. So um, we were making progress. We had made progress, and now we have taken a giant step back in this country. And um, let's see here. Uh, I'm quoting uh, the the, uh, newspaper uh, editorial from uh, from a few days ago now. Uh, that uh, Texas Republicans talk big about unborn children, but they give comparative scant attention to the one to the women who give birth to those children, and also uh, the uh, Texas uh, providers uh, for those children once they are born is miserable. Probably we are the 49th state in the union in our care for uh, for. Uh, children that have just come into the world. So um, it seems that women, and blacks in particular, are left without care during pregnancy, and their children after birth are left without care. Uh, So I'm going to talk about, first of all, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, how little Texas cares about women, and um, what it says about uh, our state is is pretty dismal. Texas Republicans um, went against actually uh, a uh, a law that was 
formed for Texas. It was called the Maternal Mortality and Morbidity Review Committee in 2013, and the law uh, was to uh, help women in uh, their pregnancy and to take care of them, routine care as well uh, as offering abortions. And uh, black women are more than twice as likely as white women and more than four times as likely as Hispanic women to die from pregnancy and childbirth. And I think the uh, the Hispanic women, uh, I think their traditions are such that they have good midwives who are able to take care of them in, uh, when uh, medicine, uh, when the uh, medical profession is uh, for, is forgetting about them or or impeded in taking care of them, and so uh, they have a uh, a leg up there. Um, the committee, this committee that was formed in uh, 2013, uh, that's 10 years ago now, uh, viewed um, 118 maternal deaths and found that 52 uh, were uh, pregnancy-related, uh, out of 118 deaths. 52% were pregnancy-related, and 42 were pregnancy-associated, but not um, related. So of those deaths, 90% had at least some chance of being preventable. And the committee... Um, and all told, 118 maternal deaths resulted in 184 children left without a mother. The study found that uh, the causes for these deaths that were maternity, um, um, that were uh, pregnancy-related, um, was uh, the leading cause was obesity. Then there was mental health, uh, and um, uh, there were deaths related to hemorrhage, obstetric hemorrhage, that was 25%. Um, mental health contributed to these deaths by suicide, another. Uh, and uh, uh, deaths by blood clot. Uh, when blood clots form and lodge in the heart or in the brain, that is also uh, deadly. And that is a, uh, one of the major causes of, um, of maternal deaths, or pre-maternal, I should say. And, of course, there are uh, cardiovascular conditions and infections uh, that contribute to, to these deaths. So... Um, so this the this report reflects data that was collected through 2019, but the report has just been this past month in December uh, has just now been uh, been released, and so um, our Express News, which is our San Antonio's major newspaper, uh, has this editorial about it, um, and decries the fact that the. Uh, the data wasn't available until just now, in 2022, after having been collected before COVID. So uh, 
the data actually doesn't uh, include the uh, draconian bill, bill, uh, bill eight, the near ban on abortion, or the Supreme Court decision to uh, to overturn Roe versus Wade. So the situation is even worse than the report makes out makes it out to be. So um, one of the black women um, who is uh, a community advocate, uh, committee, um, committee member, and mother of three, her name is Nakinia Wilson, said she suffered, and I'm quoting, a lot of missed opportunities for optimal care during childbirth. There was no need for a delay, she says, as I just said, in uh, in September to publish the report. Um, suppressing and withholding data uh, that doesn't make us look good is dishonorably burying those women. So today, this is a memorial, and their lives should be seen as a sacrifice for what we will do better for women in Texas in the future. And that's unquote now. Uh, well, that's optimistic, uh, yeah. but I think we'll have to wait uh, for a change in the state legislature and in the governor, and we had the opportunity to do that, but women simply didn't come out, oddly, uh, and I still don't understand um, why uh, the women of Texas did not rise up, because they were furious about um, Senate Bill Number 8, which is... Uh, the uh, heartbeat bill, uh, and yet they did not vote in the the uh, in the recent election, and so we are still in the same uh, difficult situation as we were uh, for the last four years. You know, if I could just interject, uh, you know, there might be a sense on, and again, I certainly can't speak for 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 women or why someone voted or didn't vote, but there could be a sense that it was hopeless. That uh, that Texas is such a red state, and Abbott was uh, was expected to win, which of course he did, and he ended up winning by, you know, a good margin, even more of a margin than you and I thought when we looked up the last time. And maybe all that early uh, poll exposure showing Abbott uh, having the support, and and you know, guns, 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 right, and uh, and uh, and border and different things like that, and you know, build a wall type mentality, you know, that, that doesn't hurt in Texas. And maybe the women that uh, that should have rallied around like uh, uh, Roe v. Wade, uh, you know, some would argue, um, should have came in like the Calvary. Maybe they just didn't feel that uh, that their vote meant anything there, which is just... Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think uh, many women just, uh, their men folk were all for... Um, the, the heartbeat bill, they were for the wall, they were for um, strict um, border regulations to keep people out, uh, and on and on. And uh, so they were so so far right, these husbands, that the women were browbeaten into not voting at all, or else voting with their husbands. Uh, so there was a lot of that going on, too. So, and I think women were just discouraged here in Texas. They uh, had been browbeaten so badly, they just quit. Uh, and that is a pity. But maybe, who knows, uh, the next chance we get, maybe we will come out and 
and change the situation here in Texas. I hope springs eternal. Yeah. Well, a minute ago I mentioned child care, and this concerns women directly uh, because uh, most with inflation, which was another uh, issue on the Republican side to beat uh, the Democrats with, with um, uh, child care uh, providers uh, are lacking in Texas because they left in droves uh, when uh, COVID took hold because they weren't needed. So uh, 11,000 people, 1,100,000, I'm sorry, people, 1,100,000 people left their child care jobs during the pandemic, and that's a tenth of the workforce. So that left 6.5 million families, um, and that's across the nation, not just in Texas, uh, 6.5 million uh, families across the nation without stable child care. And uh, this is data from 2021, and of course we've had a couple of years, or at least one, certainly, since then. Uh, so um, child care breakdowns have cost Texas $9.4 billion a year in lost income and tax revenue. So uh, it's a crisis. Uh, the the Fed, uh, federal government is spending tens of billions of dollars to stabilize uh, small programs around the country, and President Biden introduced a plan to send out more dollars. Um, it could fix the child care problems, and Biden promised to do so. And yet, lawmakers uh, in Washington left it up to the state leaders to decide how to spend the billions of dollars that were available. Uh, Texas, for instance, has still not given out the bulk of its share, and that is typical. Uh, Abbott, Governor Abbott, is holding back that money, and probably he will use it to pay the National Guard on the border, for instance, or building up the wall, or for razor wire, or for something like that, rather than for uh, child care. So um, uh, so Texas is, once again, 49th in, uh, in states in its, uh, uh, its child care expenditure. So um, the United States historically has invested fewer, uh, fewer dollars in early childhood care uh, relative to the uh, domestic product, the gross domestic product, than any developed country in the world. How about that? Wow. Wow. And while parents can, uh, can rely on public education to take care of kids from age five and older, um, the daycare industry runs without aid, and, and uh, Biden is the first president to have paid attention to this, and yet it's up to the state legislatures and the governors uh, to use the money. And that's the rub, because in Texas it's not being used. So 
uh, Janet Yellen said the other day, last year, in fact, um, that, and I'm quoting her, um, child care in the United States is a textbook example of a broken market because business owners earn very little profit, less than 1%. Um, and the Treasury Department noted that in a report last year. And yet, uh, for most families, daycare remains unaffordable because the uh, youngest, the parents of the young children often have to pay for daycare, um, and they simply can't, uh, can't make it. They have other costs, possibly medical costs for the adults, um, and they can, can't afford child care. So um, many of these people who can't afford it are having their first children. So they're at the beginning of their careers also. And they have to pay uh, student loans. They have to pay mortgages. So the average family with a child under five has to devote 13% of its annual income. That's a huge amount for daycare alone. And that is uh, unaffordable for most families. And that's that's the bleak side. And of course, this child care problem in the country is directly affecting women and their ability to work, uh, their ability to get ahead, their ability even to think about um, running for office, for instance. Nevertheless, <laughs> Um, nevertheless, there is a bright side because more women are appearing in office or are running for office than ever before, despite all the problems. Okay, so uh, I'm turning now to uh, Gail Collins, who wrote an, uh, an article in the New York Times about a week ago. Um called Nation Embarks on a Year of Women Governors. <clears throat> and she says, um, in 2003, there will be a record-breaking 12 women serving as governors from the nation. Not, not to cut you off, but... And that's way over the previous record of nine governors. <clears throat> <clears throat> and that's 24% of governors, which is not bad, but it's still less than a quarter. And uh, 18 states have never selected a woman governor, and California and Pennsylvania and Florida are among those states. And New York was, too, um, if it hadn't uh, had a female vice president or vice governor yep. uh, when uh, uh, Andrew... Uh, Cuomo. Uh, so I'm groping for his name. Uh, Qu uh, Andrew Cuomo. And you know it. Andrew Cuomo. Can you hear me, Doc? Here, Andrew Cuomo, right. that's it. Um, when Andrew Cuomo uh, had to resign over uh, sexual improprieties, the, uh, uh, the vice governor then, Katie Hobbs, no, I'm sorry, the vice governor, Hochul, uh, Hochul yep. um, Kathy Hochul, uh, stepped into the job, and then she was reelected. So uh, New York got its first uh, governor almost by accident. 
but it has won. And Arizona, Arizona gets the prize because it has had, now, it has elected uh, five female governors. Wow. Is that that's something? a national record. Yeah. So, um, of course, he was running against another woman, but the other woman uh, was uh, almost crazy in her <laughs> right-wing yeah. uh, campaign, and uh, uh, and she still hasn't conceded the, the race uh, to um, to Katie Hobbs. Oh boy! We've seen so. Um, we have one one uh, right wing governor, Christy Nome of South Dakota, uh, who uh, does not believe that COVID was any kind of a problem, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the uh, vaccination program she did not push. And um, uh, then uh, on the other side, on the good side, there's Michigan's current governor, uh, Gretchen Whitmer, uh, who led the Democrats to a statewide sweep last month. Uh, and, of course, she is the one who survived a, uh, a group called the Wolverine Watchmen who plotted to kidnap her and put her on trial uh, for treason and to execute her oh my God. if found guilty, and it was guaranteed they'd find her oh guilty. Kangaroo court. But that plot was discovered and foiled. So... Um, we have a mainly Democratic leaning for the five governors, and uh, and Christy Nome is the exception there. But um, it uh, uh, it is progress, and yet it is not enough progress yet. Uh, but we have a hopeful trend, at least. In governors, and we have in uh, well in in Texas we have all of eight women out of 150 legislators uh, in our state legislature at the moment, which is pitiful uh, by comparison to some of the other states. And at the national level, uh, in the U- U.S. Senate, there are 24 women, uh, and these are records. These are records. These are more women in the Senate than ever before. And that's 24 women is 24% because there are 100 seats in the Senate, as everyone should know by now. Uh, The U.S. House has a total of 435 seats, and it has 122 women. And we have a widespread of uh, racial identities uh, in the Senate also. 25 of them are black, 15 are Latina, and 10 identifies Asian American or Pacific Islander, and uh, two identify as Native American, and uh, one of them is from Alaska, and one of them is from Hawaii. And one of them is uh, identifies herself as Middle Eastern, or, and she's from North Africa. And 95 identify as white. So um, we have uh, four women who serve as non-voting delegates, one Asian American, two 
black and one Latina. And so that is the count for the U.S. Congress as a whole. And I believe that is moving in the right direction, despite all of the incredible drawbacks that women have to face right now, uh, mainly in connection with uh, health care in pregnancy and uh, and the uh, ban on abortion and the battle over that. Uh, and I think the, uh, uh, the results of the ban on abortion uh, and the closure of women's health clinics is one of the major problems in the country right now. Uh, it makes it makes us look like one of the uh, developing countries uh, in the world and not a developed country, which is a shame, and we should certainly do something uh, in our next election to uh, fix it. So that is uh, that is my presentation on women in this country and the progress we've made and the regress we have made just recently. Well, let, let me comment on, on that specifically. And, and, and it hit me while you were, while you were talking about Kathy Hochul, uh, my governor here, someone I know, uh, you know, well, and, um, <clears throat> and I knew Andrew Cuomo, her predecessor, um, to, um, who uh, you know obviously he uh, uh he made tremendous mistakes and horrendous uh, uh you know actions towards women uh, uh along the lines of sexual harassment now <coughs> and you mentioned the give and take you know the good and the bad of what happened now keep in mind you know Andrew Cuomo uh you know a white male a, a Italian right a, whose father was uh, a three-term governor Mario Cuomo and at right. one time, uh, a presidential hopeful, where he did kind of a listening tour around the country. But we um, let, let's keep in mind when Andrew Cuomo came in, it's uh, you know it's this uh, you know this rich uh, um, young you know well at the time uh, you know fairly young man uh, coming in with a legacy of of being the son of a, a famous popular governor, national name, and to balance. Yeah. To balance out the ticket, uh, he took somebody from Western New York, which is you know uh, the Buffalo area, and that was Kathy Hochul, and mm-hmm. she's very qualified, very you know competent uh, person. But she was uh, she was put on the ticket because she was female, and because uh, uh, because she came from Western New York, where uh, Andrew Cuomo was identified as a, a you know his father was uh, from Queens. And, you know, that's New York City, one of the five boroughs. And Andrew Cuomo was from Westchester, which is still down, basically downstate. So there was a balance yeah. there. So <clears throat> the idea that they 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 picked the woman was is wonderful. But the woman was not picked because, hey, one day, um, you know, we're, we're setting the stage for um, for a. Uh, a woman to to take office, so New York will have its first woman governor. It wasn't done that way. It was done for political reasons and political mm-hmm. expediency first. But it right. it, it points out your uh, your your uh, your very uh, interesting fact that it, there's good and there's bad. So it, the the bad is that she was uh, she was put on to balance the ticket. And uh, yes. the further bad is that Andrew Cuomo is no longer our governor. He was forced to resign 
because he groped woman, women and he uh, and he acted yes. inappropriately. But the good is because he did that, the the vacancy left by him resigning. And again, I don't want to minimize what those women uh, went through, having a powerful men, uh, man um, make sexual advances towards them. But what what happened um, for for women is, uh, of course, uh, terrible. Uh, that uh, that in this day and age, uh, a, a man like Andrew Cuomo, who should know better, uh, he's uh, you know an intelligent man. He should know better than to to make inappropriate advances towards women. And and you know, listen, these women uh, are credible people. These aren't you know these aren't some uh, you know uh, someone with no credibility. This is uh, uh, many of these women uh, are, are just uh, you know downright just right on and. Because that happened to them, it led to something good. And again, I'm not saying, you know, they, they actually made a sacrifice, an unwitting uh, sacrifice and a, uh, a, a sacrifice that, um, that they, they didn't choose to make. But because of right. his action, uh, we, we have our first ever woman governor. And she was uh, originally appointed uh, because of the vacancy, and she just naturally took over, uh, you know, as being the next in line, line of secession. But when she ran and was uh, was elected for herself, uh, that's where we made history. But that's that's kind of an interesting um, give and take, uh, as as you were underlining there. It's uh, it, you know, it, it didn't start out to be anything noble by any means. But uh, women made great progress um, by uh, by Kathy uh, Hochul uh, being elected, mm-hmm. and and New York has a uh, has has now has a uh, an elected uh, female governor, and uh, and and Godspeed to her. Yes, right. So eighteen states, eighteen uh, states have not elected a female governor ever. Yeah. And among them, some of our major states, like California, a very, very liberal Pennsylvania. state, and Pennsylvania, and Florida, of course, um, not so not so liberal there. No. But in any case, uh, as you point out, New York got got its first woman governor by accident, more or less. Yes. I mean, if if Andrew Cuomo had not misbehaved, there would still be no female <laughs> governor there. But since Justice. she did, and she she proved to be competent, she's now voted in as governor. So, uh, so that's a good precedent, and maybe New York will uh, be now be open, more open, to further women governors in the future. And my my optimist optimistic soul tells me that the more women who get in by accident, the better, because they will prove to be competent. Because women, as a, on, on the whole, I mean, this goes in business and everywhere else, if women are going to make it and squeak into important posts, they have to be ten times as good as a male who would normally be occupying that post. And still, they are being paid 80 cents on the dollar for the work they do. Amazing. And uh, as I have said before on this program, I myself am suffering from the fact that I was always paid 80% or less um, of what a male uh, professor would have been paid in the same position. 
simply because I was female and they could get away with it. And that has affected my retirement pay. Oh, my uh, monthly annuity is 80% <laughs> of, of what it would have been otherwise. Amazing. And that Amazing. really, uh, that really uh, added up to... Uh, to putting me behind in the in what I can afford to do now that I'm in retirement. So women are still uh, considered second-class citizens of the, the recent action by the Supreme Court and by the Texas legislature and governor um, proves that we are still second-class citizens in Texas very definitely. So we have a long way to go still. Uh, but every little uh, little... Baby step forward <laughs> gives me hope for the future. Maybe this, maybe half the human race will uh, eventually be considered as equal to the other half. Amazing. I, I mean, it's just, I, you know, and, and when you underline here at 89 years old <clears throat> that it's still affecting you, the prejudice against, uh, against women, it's affected your life because your income. Yep. You know, you somewhere uh, the uh, uh, the old boys network uh, decided that you were worth uh, you, you were worth only 80 percent of what a man was worth, which is, uh, you know, how disgraceful is that uh, in, in its thought? Uh, the other thing that that I, I wish women would. And, and again, this I, I by no means do I want to sound demeaning on this, but there's an unused power that women have they have a majority of the voters almost everywhere you know other than say like alaska they're uh, you know they they talk about uh some people talk about the great man shortage right that there are less men than uh, than women just about everywhere you look and and uh and my blessed mother who who we lost uh, many years ago um and she was a very intelligent woman but she she used to say to me if I went in, and she was non-political, she was, you know, she was truly non-political. She said, if I walked into a voting booth and I knew nothing about either uh, about either candidate, rather than looking at the party, if I saw a woman running against a man, she and and I had no idea about either one, I would give my vote to the woman, uh, just figuring they they could use uh, they could use my help. Now again, a lot of people will turn around and say, "Oh, you're probably voting some right wing in or whatever." But that didn't concern her. And there are a lot of women that will do that. They'll go in and they'll vote, you know, what and even if they know a little something about the race, as long as they're not to the extreme of of one way or the other, they'll they'll give the benefit of the doubt to to the woman. And mm -hmm. if, if women would just turn out, if the turnout for women was ever you know like uh, sky high, um, uh, more women would be elected. I mean, it's just it, it's it's a fact. Uh, women uh, have a tendency uh, when push comes to shove uh, to vote for a woman o over a man. Not always, right? You know, we know you know it's uh, different uh, situations. But I I would think in a year like this, where Roe v. Wade was uh, was an issue, was a serious issue. Um, <coughs> I I would have thought that women would come out. And by the way, I think. Kathy Hochul, uh, Governor Hochul, um, benefited from, and, and I'm trying not to pass judgment on, on, on the race either. I know everybody involved in the race, but <clears throat> I would think that, uh, that women came out in droves in New York to, uh, uh, to support because uh, the polling was not showing 
um, <laughs> this to uh, to be this big uh, a, a win for uh, for for Kathy Hochul. So I I believe that they were laying in the weeds, lying in the weeds when the polling came out and uh, and and uh, and emerged on election day. But you know I I could be wrong. I don't think so. No, I'm I'm sure you're right. In fact, I think I saw something written about that at the time that uh, women came out in droves <laughs> um, to support her. And I'm very pleased. So, as I say, even though she originally was merely uh, an appointee to uh, to be a uh, vice governor um, for political reasons, to balance the ticket uh, sexually and or generically, whatever, uh, and, um, and uh, geographically, um, nonetheless, she did a good enough job that uh, she's now sitting there as the governor, and I'm, uh, I'm very pleased. And perhaps, again, uh, she will prove to be a very fine governor, and uh, people will decide, well, maybe these females can cut the mustard after all. Maybe we should vote another one in. Right. Uh, that certainly has happened in Arizona, yeah. so it, it could happen anywhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, just uh, amazing, you know that uh, that there's still um, there uh, that there is still uh, uh, you know a you know a prejudice against women, and yeah. uh, in this day and age, you know where we, uh, you know it. it it wasn't always like this. I mean, there were there were leaders, there were communities, as you know from uh, uh, from history, ancient communities, even where where women were uh, uh, you know uh, were seen as leaders. And I I don't know why um, why we wouldn't recognize women automatically as a uh, um, as a, uh, a as a natural leader. You know, when you talk about mm-hmm. um, uh, you yes, know. based based on talent, knowledge, right. talent. And the whole thing, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, there are historical reasons for that. I've, I've given lectures on on why women uh, became uh, second-class citizens um, in the Western world, where you would think that uh, people would be more enlightened. But it, it all began in ancient Greece, and probably earlier than that. But uh, But Athens, for instance kept its women in harems and did not allow them any kind of rights, and they took their children away, their male children, not their female, their male children away from them uh, as soon as they were able to walk and talk uh, and raise them in exclusively male company. So Athens, which was this model for, for our government, actually, uh, was the model for prejudice against women as well. And women were considered inferior physically. Uh, Women have different um, attributes uh, and pluses uh, than men have, obviously, because uh, without us, the race would die. (laughs) But but, uh, the Greeks considered women... Uh, to have, uh, well, when the baby is being formed in the womb, its brain uh, was contributed by the male. <laughs> the animal spirit, in other words, the soul, yeah. was contributed by the, uh, by the male, and the body, the, the material part, contributed by the female. And therefore, the uh, matter being inferior to 
made women inferior, and uh, the prejudice kept going uh, throughout our history. And the Church, of course, uh, was very heavily influenced by the Greek philosophers and Greek uh, uh, medical uh, ideas. Um, and so the Church only allows men, that is our Church, the Catholic Church, Frank, um, mm. Right. Only allows men any kind of authority, uh, and and it all goes back to Athens and uh, and the uh, the ideas about uh, women's physiology as well as mental capacity. Yeah, amazing. You can just have yeah. Amazing. Well, anyway, listen, we can do a whole show just on what you just talked about there, and uh, yeah, and, and maybe we will one day, but. Uh, listen, I, I want to reiterate uh, a happy new year to everyone, and hopefully this is the year of the woman, and we make uh, great strides towards that. Uh, you're, you're talking to someone, or you're listening to someone here. From in my standpoint, I was raised by a single, uh, a single mother, and single uh, divorced mother, and uh, so I, I'm I'm usually I usually side with the women on these issues. My uh, father was absentee. And my mother was there, and uh, our loyalty, uh, even when my father reemerged, my brother and I, uh, and my uh, loyalty uh, always went to our mother, and and you know we put her on a pedestal, and um, and and uh, we did, but we, yeah, uh, you know we we usually side. My brother and I both usually side with women on on issues, you know, and I usually say, you know, uh, about myself, I don't have a uterus, so I don't have. I don't have a say in, in certain issues, you know, and uh, and let women decide for themselves uh, what they're what 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 they're going to do with their lives. <laughs> I've always been, um, I've always been a believer in that. Um, Doc, do uh, you want to leave us with anything? A, a final thought on this? Well, uh, we have balanced the good and the bad uh, today about uh, women's progress in the country. And uh, I'm I'm hopeful that our trend uh, it bends toward <laughs> more women in government, and I think that is a very good thing because all the citizens of this country have a right to contribute to its progress and and the wisdom uh, of its policies. Yeah. Well, listen. Great job as always. Um, Thank you, Doc. Once again, have a great new year. A nice way to start off and um, and uh, have a safe and, and, and healthy uh, new year. And, and, and uh, as we speak, uh, next time we speak, we'll, uh, uh, you know, we'll be fully entrenched in, in this uh, hopefully great year of 2023. And as we move away from COVID, hopefully we'll move away from some of the prejudice against women and uh, and we'll 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 get our uh, get ourselves on the right track where a country of our status should be. Uh, Doc, thank you very much. Uh, you're most welcome. It is a great pleasure. And again, my happy New Year wishes for everybody. And, and to everyone, we appreciate you tuning in each and every week. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on the Florence Weinberg Show. <laughs>